Luke chapter number nine, Luke chapter number nine, and then we're going to be in Mark chapter number six. So last week we started a three-week series, is all this is going to be, three-week series called Commissioned, and it's about understanding our, or living out our radical purpose. God has given us a purpose on this earth, and it is to glorify him, to make his name known, but as we had mentioned last week when we looked at Matthew chapter 28, and this was in reference to Jesus' final days on this earth after his death and resurrection. He had talked to his disciples, his followers, the believers there, and he had given them a commission. He given them orders, some marching orders. Really, these were marching orders for the church to really encourage them and challenge them to go out and spread the gospel, and while they're going out and spreading the gospel, to make disciples of all nations, of all people. And last week's message was a very challenging message, I know. It was very challenging for me as I was studying and preaching. Today is not going to be necessarily as challenging, but next next week is. Uh, as we, I kind of have a, a softball-type message in the midst of this, but um, before I finish next week, which we're probably going to go back to Matthew chapter 28 and another passage as well, it's all setting us up for our next series, the book of Acts, which we'll cover probably the next at least year as we go through the book of Acts, uh, several series within that great book. But today I, I actually want to go back. So last week we talked about the commission for the church to go out to make disciples. Now I want to go back historically about a year and a half prior to Jesus making that commission for his disciples and for the church. When he was still with his disciples and still teaching them and training them, about a year and a half of his ministry, earthly ministry, had passed. And as he's teaching and training them, he also commissioned them to go out. And we're going to learn a very important principle that Jesus has left us with, that he left his disciples with that day, and he has left us with as well. One thing that we had talked about last week that he had left the church with is his presence, the Holy Spirit. Once Jesus left this earth, the Holy Spirit was here to help us, to comfort us, to to watch over us. And I want to just say something quickly before we dig into it this morning, kind of in on the heels of last week. But as a Christian, we were made to glorify Jesus Christ in all that we do and all that we say. And in order to truly glorify Christ, we must do what he has asked us to do. But our problem is, as I mentioned, is that we have decided to make up the rules. Instead of doing exactly all that Christ has commissioned us and asked us to do and being fully obedient to his call, we've changed the rules in a sense. Decided that there are certain things we don't want to do, so we're only going to do what we want to do. Now, if we want to truly be a committed follower of Jesus Christ, a committed disciple of Jesus, then it's very important that we obey Jesus in all things, not just the things that we want. Look, all of us are guilty of this. I'm guilty of this myself. There's a lot of times when I read God's word or even listen to a message or a podcast or whatever, and I get very convicted. Anybody ever get convicted when you hear preaching or teaching of God's word? Hopefully you do. All right, we got two honest hands today. Everyone else, a bunch of liars. Or you don't get convicted. I don't know. Um, All of us get convicted when we hear God's word, when we hear preaching and teaching. But here's the problem that I've dealt with in my life, and maybe you're like this. 
that sometimes you, you hear a passage or you hear a message that, you know, convicts you and, and you know you should change, you know you should be better, and you decide to do nothing. Does that ever happen? Like, you're just like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I know I should, but I'm not going to do that. And in understanding this commission for the church, you know, one thing I mentioned last week that it is turned into the great omission instead of the great commission. Jesus Christ has commissioned us. He has sent us out. And he didn't send us empty-handed. He gave us the Comforter. He gave us the Holy Spirit. But he also gave us many other tools. He has equipped us. And that's a great thing. He has equipped us for battle. You know, I know uh, many people, you know, today or tomorrow is Memorial Day. We're honoring those that served. Go ahead and raise your hand if you served in the military in some form or fashion. We've got one, two, three, four, five, I think. Uh, I appreciate all those. Let's give them a round of applause right now. Appreciate all those that have served for our country. Some are still serving, whether it be here or overseas. Now, one thing, I've never obviously been in the military, but uh, I'm pretty sure that you wouldn't want to go into battle not equipped. Right, Josh? You'd want to be equipped. Right, David? You definitely want to be equipped. What do you do wherever you go, you want to be equipped? Well, it's the same as the true with, with Jesus Christ and the commission he has given us. He has equipped us. But the reality is we have chosen to take the tools he equipped us with and fulfill them and carry them out. Now, this commission is radical. Now, before Jesus left this earth, he called us, as I mentioned last week, to be carriers of the gospel. It is very important that we carry the gospel message, that we go and make disciples. Again, this is not a passive call. This is an active call. There's a difference between passivity and activity, right? Passivity is doing nothing. Activity is doing something, moving, exerting yourself, using energy. It takes energy to be active. It doesn't really take much energy to, to not be active. But the sad reality is, and I, I can put myself in this equation as well, the sad reality is many people in the church today, whether it's here at Eagle Drive or wherever it is, many people have declined the call, declined the commission. And it's not just, well, I'm not an evangelist, so I guess I can't do that. I'll, I, I'm not really a gifted teacher, so I can't really make disciples. Every single one of us has been equipped. Now, yes, there are some that have special gifts that are very good at teaching, very good at witnessing and soul winning and evangelizing, but the call is for the church. And very go back into the, the message this morning, go back into Jesus' ministry. I read this statement from Dawson Trotman's book, Born to Reproduce. He said, the gospel spread to the known world during the first century without radio, television, or the printing press. All because of the rise of the apostles, it produced men and women who were reproducing. But today we have a lot of pew sitters. People think that if they are faithful to church attendance, put a good sized gift in the offering plate, get people to come with them. They have done their part, but that's not it. He said, what we must do is keep pressing people to multiply, to make disciples. And as we get to Luke chapter 9, again, this is halfway through Jesus' ministry, a year and a half prior to the statement that he made in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. 
we see that Jesus commissions his disciples to go out. Verse number nine, or chapter nine, verse number one of Luke says this, and he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over devils to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now he commissioned them. He, he gave them authority. He gave them power. We might not have the same, you know, supernatural power per se that they had to cure diseases and cast out devils. But one of the very important things that he gave them, that he's given us, was his grace. Aren't you thankful for God's grace? I am very very thankful for God's grace. I've, I've preached two series of messages on God's grace over the past four and a half years, and I'll continue preaching God's grace because God's grace is so overwhelming. The last series we did last year was on limitless, the limitless power of God's grace. And that's what I see in this passage and in Mark chapter number six. I see that Jesus sent them out with his grace. You see, at this time, let me quickly set the stage. I know it's getting muggy out here today. But at this time, Jesus and the disciples were burdened. Anybody ever feel burdened? Yes, I think many of us, right? He was, they were busy. This was a very busy season for them. Very busy, very burdened, a lot of things going on. But they still had a job to do. You see, Jesus was still burdened about people. He was burdened about their souls. He knew that even though he was tired and run down and the disciples were tired and run down, there were still people that needed to hear the message of the gospel. And again, church, we have been commissioned. We have been called to go to make disciples. And Jesus has equipped us with our commission, with what we need the most. He has equipped us with his Holy Spirit, but he has also equipped us and given us untapped power. He has given us his grace to go out to make disciples of the nations. And a couple things that I want to mention very quickly this morning about God's grace. And if you want to take notes, I, I encourage you to do so. The first thing I want to look at, going back to Mark chapter number six, if you want to turn back there, that's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. Mark chapter 6, it's a very similar passage, just from a different perspective. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse number 31 is where we're going to be. But the very first thing I want to mention is this. God's grace sees people, not just the problems. It's very easy to see problems, isn't it? It's very easy to even make excuses. Now, this passage is, is the feeding of the 5,000, or really it was thousands upon thousands of people that were fed at this miraculous event. Look, there are problems all around us, are there not? Not just COVID-19, but there are a lot of problems. And, and with problems, it comes a lot of excuses, right? If you're struggling with something in your, in your health or spiritually, it's very easy for you to make an excuse of not coming to church or not fulfilling your commission or not being obedient to God. Very easy to make excuses like that. You know, I read a quote and I've read it before and I read it again this week and it said this, delayed obedience is still disobedience. Now, all those that are parents here would understand this. If you ask your, your child to do something and you expect them to do it within a certain time frame, let's say, hey, in the next 30 minutes, I want you to go clean your room but they decide to clean it two days later. 
They obeyed. It, that, that's good, right? But they delayed. So their delay is still disobedience. And that's, that's the reality of it today. Jesus Christ has commissioned us, his church. He has asked us, he has called us, challenged us to spread the gospel, to make disciples. And some are like, oh, I just, I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I just, I'm not equipped. I'm not, I'm not gifted. Well, maybe someday I'll do that, but still delayed obedience is still disobedience in God's eyes. And one thing we know and see about Jesus Christ and his earthly ministry is that over and over, he was moved with compassion. Matthew 14, 14 says that. Mark 6, 34, it says he was moved with compassion. Let me read quickly verse 30 of Mark chapter 6. It says, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things that they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come, ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest for a while. And for there were many consume, or coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately, and the people saw them departing. So picture this scene. They're going out to rest, and people are following them. Now imagine, imagine you're going away on a vacation, and you're trying to get away from people. And the people you're trying to get away from follow you. Wouldn't you be excited about that? Anybody? No. <laughs> You'd be like, leave me alone. What are you doing? I wanted to get away from my coworkers. I wanted to get away from my family. All my problems. So the people, they see them going. So, hey, we've got to go and follow them. Verse 34. Uh, yeah, verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them. Because they were sheep not having a shepherd and began to teach them many things. And when the days was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desert place. And now the time has passed. And I love what they say here in verse 36, send them away. Or just, just send them away. One, we don't have food for them. We're tired. We're frustrated. We're burdened. Just send them away. Ever felt like that? <laughs> just send these people away. Get rid of them. But here, here's what we see about God's grace, that he sees people, not the problems. The problem was that they were burdened. They were tired. They were worn out. Another problem was it come to the end of the day, the people hadn't eaten. They need to eat. There's not an unlimited resources supply for them. But we see this about Jesus, and this is very important. The disciples learn to reflect Jesus' compassion. Everywhere Jesus went, there were people. They were hurting, they were sick, they needed healing. And the reality is that most of the people that came to Jesus weren't necessarily committed. What I mean is they came for the show. They were sick, so I need to be healed. Not necessarily my spiritual condition, but I need to be healed. And the same is true today. People come to church not to heal their spiritual condition, but I need some money. So you need to give me some money. Or I need this. I need you to take care of this. And we've done that many times over, and we'll try to continue to help as we can. But the reality is it was the same in Jesus' day, that people came just for the show. They weren't committed they were asking for their, and this is very important, they were asking for their superficial needs. I like how one author said it in perspective of Matthew's gospel. He said, even in the face of such shallowness, Jesus was still compassionate. That's very important. 
Even with all the shallowness of the world, Jesus was still compassionate. And the disciples sent him away. You see, here's what the disciples saw. They only saw the problems. They saw 5,000 plus problems. But you know what Jesus saw? 5,000 plus people that needed something, that needed help. And Jesus came to give us an example. And there's a difference between seeing problems and seeing the people. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, to serve. And the thing we understand about grace is this. Grace, just like our commission, should be active, not passive. Grace sees the need and supplies for the need the only way it can through the supernatural power of Jesus. And here's what we learn about the grace-filled life. It is full of compassion. The second thing about grace quickly this morning is this. God's grace sees opportunities, not the obstacles. Verse 36, the disciples said, hey, send them away, Lord. We have nothing to to feed them. Verse 37, he answered and said to them, give you them to eat. (laughs) Well, give them some food. Well, how are we supposed to feed them if we have no food? And they said to them, shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? So to understand this, 200 penny worth is basically the equivalent of about a year's wages. So imagine, Lord, imagine we have a year's wages and we go and spend it on food. That's still not enough. That's still not enough food to feed these peoples. These people, people, not peoples, whatever. He saith unto them, how many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they, they knew, they, they said, well, came back in another, another gospel. We see that it was a little boy. He had five loaves and two fishes. That's not a lot to feed 5,000 plus people. He commanded them to make all the people sit down by companies. So he social distanced them upon the grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up into heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples and set before them and two fishes divided among all of them. And they did eat and they were all filled. And they took up the baskets that were remained. There were 12 baskets left. It's an amazing thing. And what we see about God's grace is that it sees the opportunity, not the obstacle. You see, the disciples learned something this day, and it's something we need to learn as well. Learn to rely on Jesus's resources. Because the resources that we have at our disposal, human speaking, is not enough, is not sufficient. But you know what is sufficient? Jesus Christ. His grace, his compassion, his mercy, his spirit. Ray Pritchard once said this, God often puts us in a situation where we are doomed to failure in order to force us to depend totally on him so that when the miracle comes, he alone gets the credit. You see, what I have in my basket is not enough. What you have in your basket is not enough. But God uses our insufficiencies to show forth his amazing power and limitless grace. Look, church, we have been commissioned by his grace to go to do the job that God has called us. And here's what we need to take away from this passage this morning, very quickly. Jesus meets needs in us. Jesus meets needs in us. His sufficiency to meet the deepest needs in our life is the key aspect of this story. 
Jesus is teaching the crowd something, but more importantly, he's teaching his disciples and us today, 2,000 years later, as followers. He isn't just the one who gives what satisfies. He is the one that satisfies. And too often, listen to me, we conclude that something cannot be done. So you know what we do? We bother doing nothing. Well, it can't be done. There's no way we can go and make disciples of all nations, so I'm just going to do nothing. Or I'm just going to pray that someone else will go. But look, Jesus has given you the same thing he's given others that have gone and fulfilled the commission. He's given you his grace, and he meets needs in us. Let me ask you a question. I've got this um, little table up here. What's, what's in your drawer? How many have one of those drawers at your house that is just full of junk? Anybody? Everyone, every drawer in your house, Mary, is full of junk. Very good. You know, <laughs> and we can talk all day, all day about that. But, um, you know, we all have one of those drawers where it's like, or multiple drawers where I know I have something. I know I have this thing that I need. It's in here somewhere, and then you can't find it. Ever been there, right? <laughs> Many times over. Sometimes, you know, you're, you're searching around, and, okay, you, you finally find what you're looking for. Because it's in there. It seems like that's that, that junk or multiple junk drawers that it just collects everything that you have or everything that you need at that time. But I guess the question is this, what is in your drawer? I'm going to explain that in just a minute. But I heard of a story one time, and it's kind of a funny story, probably not so much for the kids, but there was um, some parents that one of their, 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 their children, they lost a tooth. And as most parents do, um, you know, they they gave them money for the tooth to help out with the tooth fairy or whatever, but they gave them money for the tooth. And uh, the dad uh, talked to the mom or the, the, the son came out and like, man, I got like $10. And the mom's like, where'd you get that? And the dad's like, Hey, it's okay. She was looking at the dad, like all like disgusted and like, you seriously gave our child $10 for his tooth. Like, what is your problem? And the dad, you know, after the child left, he, he tried to calm his wife down. He's like, Hey, it's okay. You remember all that money that he got from his, for his birthday and Christmas, you know, the money that we had stashed away and put in an envelope? All I did was took it out of there and gave it back to him. That's genius, right? Every parent here is going to try to do that now. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is this, that the child didn't understand that. They didn't realize that that money was already theirs, did they? They thought they got another $10. Man, this is awesome. But here's the great thing about Jesus Christ. He gives us what we already have. Did you get that? He gives us what we already have. We already have his grace. We already have his limitless power. We already have the authority to go and and make disciples. He has already given us the Holy Spirit. If we are saved and a believer of Jesus Christ, he's given us what we need. And since he's given us what we need, he meets the needs in us. And that's the thing. What's in your drawer? Now in this drawer, there's, there's gloves. Anybody need some gloves? We have gloves. But what's in your drawer? And the point I'm making is this. What you have inside of you is greater than what's outside of you. Meaning, the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than, anybody remember the rest of the verse? He that is in the world. 
So Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter that is in you is greater than anything outside of you. And that's pretty awesome when we understand this. That Jesus Christ, he meets the needs in us. In the sense, he gives us what's already in our drawer. What we already have. Hey, you need a gloves? I've got them. They're there for you. You need my grace? I have it. It's here for you. You need more power? I have it. It's here for you. You need to fear less? I've given you what you need. What we need is Jesus Christ, nothing else. Well, if I just, if I just had more uh, understanding of God's word, God gives us what we need at the time that we need it. And Jesus meets the needs in us, everything you need. Listen, church, if you're saved, if you're a believer, you already have it. And what's inside of you is greater than what's outside of you. God has gifted you with the limitless power, limitless grace to do the job that he's called you to do. Never discount your insufficiency as a means of God's grace. Not only does Jesus meet needs in us, but lastly, Jesus meets needs through us. You see, this is how Jesus often works with his followers. Over and over again, he puts them in situations that seem helpless and says, go do something. We're trying to feed 5,000 plus people and all we have is a Jesus We cannot make disciples. Hudson Taylor, a great man of the faith, a missionary in China to the gospel. Time and time again, he saw God do amazing things in the face of hopelessness and murder and hostility. Reflecting on his experiences, he remarked that there are three stages, listen, three stages in any work attempted for God. Impossible, difficult, done. That's pretty good. There's that impossible stage where, Lord, this is impossible. There is no way it's going to happen. Then it moves from the impossible to, it's, it's still pretty difficult. But then if we continue to trust God and continue to use what God has given us to do what he has commissioned us to do, then the job is done. Isn't it great when you finish a job? That sense of satisfaction, that sense of fulfilling your purpose. The same is true.
If you're a child of God, you are more than enough. A.W. Tozer once said, I'm not afraid of the devil. The devil can handle me. He's got judo I've never heard of, but he cannot handle the one to whom I'm joined. He cannot handle the one to whom I'm united. He cannot handle the one whose nature dwells within my nature. You see, everything that you need, you already have, because as a child of God, you've been called and gifted and chosen and sent. He calls you by his grace. He gifts you with his grace, and he has sent you out with his grace. The early church turned the world upside down. How did they do that? Well, we'll, we'll hit on that in the coming weeks when we get to the book of Acts, but they did it because they believed in the commission. They believe that God gave them this calling, this challenge, this commission to go, and there's nothing else that they're supposed to be doing. But today we're too busy, right? We're too busy fulfilling our own purposes, our own commission, doing what we want to do instead of doing what Christ calls us to do. And we play the part, and we sit in the pew, and we serve, and we give, and we do good things. And we never fully fulfilled. It's because we're, we're going about it the wrong way. And as I said last week, and in the, in the weeks to come, I'll mention more about this, but we're going to give some good opportunities for people to, to grow and to learn to, to teach others more than just a corporate level like this, more on an individual level, because that's, my, that's been my desire since I've been a pastor and even before that, to equip people to make disciples. That's our purpose statement for the church, to, to grow fully committed disciples. Well, how do we do that? By not just me teaching or Brother Mike teaching or others teaching. It's, it's by me giving you what you need and then you going out to other people. Because there's people that you know that I, I will never come in contact with or, or you have shared stories that you can really relate to them that I can't relate to. You see, the job is for the church, and the church is not just the building people. The church is the people. We know that. We understand that. So if the church is the people and the call is for the church to go, what are we doing? Everything you need, you already have. There's a story I'll briefly mention in closing. I'm going to read it next week as we start the message, but there was a man in Africa who met a pastor here in America, and talking about the Great Commission, talking about the, the call to go and to make disciples. He's like, I'm just going to go and fulfill the commission. He's like, but you're no one. You're in Africa. You don't have a, a lot of resources. He says, but I have God. And I'm going to impact the ones that I can impact. And that's what it's about, church. It's about starting with the people around you. Making an impact on them. That's what impact is all about. And we're finally getting to some of the meat of what this year is all about. And I'm excited about it in the next couple coming weeks of some of the messages that we will talk about and preach. You can't make an impact if you don't start and don't try and don't reach that one. And one thing that he said, and I'll close with this, but that man said to that pastor, that, that, that African man said to the pastor, when he kind of challenged him back and forth, he's like, there's no way. There's no way you can do that. There's no way you can make an impact. 
And he said two words to him, and it was a question. And when I read it, it just it shook me. And the man said this. He said, why not? You can't do it. Why not? Why can't I? I mean, Jesus told us to go and multiply, right? And he has equipped us with his Holy Spirit. He has equipped us with his grace. And listen, the church is most appealing when the message of grace is most apparent. The church is most effective when the message of grace is most evident. I'm calling you as a church, challenging you as a church, reminding you as a church to carry out your commission, to take God's grace into the world, even though people don't deserve it. We are very good about judging who deserves it and who doesn't deserve it, but none of us deserve God's grace. And yet he has freely given it to us, bestowed it upon us. You see, God's grace doesn't just see the problems. It sees the people and is moved with compassion. And many of us are moved with judgments, criticism, cynicism, complacency. Jesus was moved with compassion. And we're trying to be like him. So what are we doing? I took us back this morning because it's important to understand that we have his grace. And if we want to be a church that reaches out in our world and our community, then that message of grace, as I've said before, and really it's just a reminder message, we have to have the message of God's grace apparent in our lives. We'll be an effective church when his message of grace is evident in our lives. Grace in, grace out, right? Grace in, grace out. Grace in, grace out. God's grace comes in, God's grace flows out. This is what we're called to do. So it's time that we fulfill our radical purpose. We need people that are going to say, you know what, Pastor, I'm going to turn the world upside down. I'm going to make an impact. And I know there are going to be some like, you can't do that. We need to have the attitude of, why not? Why can't I? I have everything I need. It's in my drawer. It's inside of me. What more do I need? We just need people that are obedient and willing to listen to God's command. Let's call, or let's pray.